Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Cheap Seats Chatter, the Overtime Heroics Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Alex Clark. Joining me, as always, we have Ryan Splashpots and Matthias Altman Kurosaki. Gentlemen, as we like to start every fine podcast we do, how y'all doing today? I am vibing. Uh, I'm doing a making a thumbnail in the background, so I love getting to do my horrendous designs. Um, life is good. I, I am getting a Wii this week. Uh, for the uninitiated, uh, Alex, Mac, and I have been doing MLB Power Pro streams on my YouTube channel. Uh, you can check it out. Um, and I will be able to stream my own version of Power Pros hopefully later this week. So stay tuned for that. If you love your MLB Power Pros content, you also want to go back to 2008. We are right there with you. We are more than happy to oblige. You know, uh, I'm, I'm chilling. Uh, it rained really hard earlier today. It was thunderstorming, uh, and apparently it might thunderstorm again later tonight, but we're doing well. Uh, I was in uh, New Jersey for a little bit this weekend, had, had a good time. I, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the summer, you know, we're just chilling. Uh, I went to the Mets game the other day, uh, the day they got Daniel Vogelbach, actually. Uh, so that was fun, even though they lost. Uh, and uh, really, I'm just, you know, I'm vibing. I'm, I'm looking forward to this this subway series that's coming up. I'm really excited for that. But yeah, we're doing well. Baseball and human legend Daniel Vogelbach. Thank you very much. Um, as for Splash, I am so excited for us to get back to those streams. So then the people, the fine people that are listening in, can continue to learn about the legendary Dover family. As we've so far seen two rises to the major leagues from the Dover family. Now we will see more after you get your we all set up i'm doing pretty darn good right now it is a beautiful 85 degrees outside here in seattle washington right now with not a single cloud in the sky it is a beautiful day went outside for a little and could not be more pleased with the weather but something else i could also be very well pleased with was all-star week that just happened a little bit ago as we're not gonna spend too much time on it as there wasn't really a whole ton to talk about but i anyone who knows me knows i'm the biggest mariner diehard out there and i would be remiss if i was leading this podcast and not talk about the man the myth the legend the j-rod show as julio rodriguez while he did not win the derby put on a show that was incredible to witness Watching him hit over 30 home runs in each of the first two rounds, then losing it to Juan Soto in the final round. Honestly, I thought he got more hype than Soto did, even though Soto won the actual derby. Guys, your thoughts on Juan Soto before I absolutely gasm on this. So I was in a debate with a couple of my coworkers, and they were like, hey, you should want to go first in the Derby. And you could see, hey, Julio Rodriguez went first and murdered Corey Seager, then murdered Pete Alonzo. And I'm like, no, you should go second, like the eventual winner, Juan Soto, who didn't have to overexert himself to beat um, J-Ram J- or Albert Pujols, who somehow beat Kyle Schwarber or beat Julio. So what do you guys think? Would you rather go first or would you rather go second? Personally. I'd rather go first. I want to be the guy that sets the tone. You know, that's, I feel like, and that's the thing is we saw Pete Alonso kind of underperform by his standards. I really don't think Pete Alonso did that poorly, but like he has said previously, like, I don't like going second because, you know, there's just so much more added pressure going second, which to be fair, I understand if, you know, at the same time, if you're going second, then you get to see what the competition does before. So maybe it, you know, maybe it's better for you to know what you have to do to win. But at the same time, in my opinion, I think it's better to be the tone setter. So I personally would rather go first. See, I'm on the opposite end where I like the idea of going second because I think that when you go second, you know what you have to beat. You know the job that you have to do. Whereas if you're going first, yeah, you are the tone setter. And yes, you are the person that could try to just put the nail in the coffin right there. But when you see a goal that you have to try and reach and watching yourself just get slowly closer and closer to that goal, it gives, I think that gives you more added motivation just to keep on saying, all right, I've got a minute left and nine homers to get. Let's go. Let's rock it. And then on top of it, if you just outright do, uh, dominate your opponents, 
then and um excuse me and let's say that they only put up like let's say 15 home runs and it only took me you know a minute and a half to get to 16 then i just have all that extra rest time and i don't need to worry about trying to overexert myself like splash said to then try and continue especially when you do have to do three full rounds of it like it was very clear when we watched julio in the derby that that final round he looked tired he did not look like he was himself i mean going from 30 plus home runs to 19 or sorry to yeah to his total was it was it was a little deflating almost and you could see it in him that he was just getting more and more tired as that final round went on so i don't know i think i like the idea of going second plus especially in that final one being able to just go and walk it off is one of the coolest looks in sports. Let's be honest here. When you hit that last home run that, you know, just went 450 feet to win the Derby, you just do that bat flip there and start celebrating. Yeah. I mean, very few better spectacles than that. Uh, did you have any other opinions on the Derby or on this little discussion here then splash? Uh, I'm moderately annoyed that the Braves lost the Mets on that Monday, but, um, that's okay. Uh, hopefully it rejuvenates uh, Ronald Acuna. Um, I think I've mentioned in the past, um, this season at least, that his expected slugging numbers are you know right in line with their, where they usually are, but the balls haven't been falling. The singles aren't doubles. The doubles aren't home runs, things like that. So um, I was actually excited to see Acuna on the Derby roster. I didn't think he was going to win. I picked Alonzo to win that round. I actually picked Julio to win the whole thing, and he blew it all the way at the end. But um, I, I think one thing to look at moving forward is, is Juan Soto going to take a huge jump? He did last year after competing in the Derby. Is Acuna going to take a big jump? Is Alonzo going to continue to mash? J-Ram, Schwarber, even Albert Pujols. Uh, Corey Seager was coming into the break on fire, and I think he's going to continue. So I'm excited to see what the eight guys do the rest of the season. And um, I'm, I'm expected, expecting to see a lot of home runs, and hopefully Acuna can go yeah-yeah tonight. <laughs> yeah you know it was a lot of fun to watch and you know, that's the thing like i was saying earlier is i don't think alonzo necessarily did poorly during it julio rodriguez was just amazing like that was that was a lot of fun to watch and see he had 81 home runs i mean he he his opponents really Corey seager didn't do poorly either it's just that rodriguez was really on point obviously you know you would have liked him to win but he did seem a bit tired he probably needed those extra 30 or 60 seconds so that you know it's unfortunate but at the same time it was I mean it was great that he even got to the final and Juan Soto I am curious to see if Soto you know now turns back into what he was in the second half of last year I know right now you know Pete Alonso was in a bit of a slump coming into the derby but he's come out of the gates firing uh, I believe he's six for ten since the second half began and he hit a long three run homer last night against San Diego that kind of jump started the offense. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I'm curious to see how that goes. And like you said about Acuna, I mean, Acuna, Acuna hasn't been bad this year. It's just, he hasn't been what we expected him, but bear in mind, he is also coming back from a really bad leg injury. So I think, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the rest the rest of these rest of the season goes for the these guys. Yeah, and I wanted to touch on Acuna for a second um, because the general like thing is, oh, he's not hitting a bunch of home runs, but he's doing other things that help the Braves out. It's not like he stinks for most of the season. He's had a better than his usual on base percentage. He's drawing a lot of walks, and that's you know infusing itself down the lineup. And of course, Olsen draws a ton of walks. And even the like the little things on the base paths, he's stolen 20 bases, the second most in the National League, despite missing the first month and change, right? And missing a little bit of time in the middle of the middle of the seasons already. And I, I think it's exciting that he's back. And it's exciting that even like quote unquote bad Acuna is an all-star caliber player. And I, I, that's just exciting to me that you know, a step up for him. Oh, maybe 130 OPS plus or 140 OPS plus. Oh, you're, you're getting into the territory that he's one of the best hitters in baseball again. And one of the best players in baseball that we, we know he's been over the last few years. So I could be worried, worrying that we only had eight home runs in the first half or something like that, or he didn't, wasn't that good in the Derby or this, that, and the other, but 
it, it's just a matter of time with Acuna. He's just getting back in the groove of things. He's going to steal bases. He's going to get better defensively. And he's going to start hitting that, those long balls that we know he can and all the, the glorious, glorious leadoff home runs. Hopefully they will come in bunches here in the second half. Here we go again with Splash and his uh, weekly on schedule Braves propaganda. No, kidding. It's it's I mean it's very true, and I think what's going to be interesting to see, especially with Acuna coming in, is that this is a very interesting year where he is right now healthy. Like we had, we saw what happened last year with the team and with the Braves, and now that we have an Acuna that is going to be hopefully again, fingers crossed, knock on wood, uh, healthy all the way up through a potential playoff push. Then on this, I want to see how the Braves are going to respond with that. Considering how much change has gone on with the team over, is like since the offseason. how much has happened? How much has changed since that last playoff run? So, unless there are, any, are there any more notes we want to talk about when it comes to the All Star break? Congratulations again to Giancarlo Stanton for winning the MVP. Uh, Buxton got uh, absolutely hosed with his MLB the Show card that he got. But uh, are there any other notes when it comes to the All-Star game? We just, we just kind of wanted to touch on it briefly. I thought Emmanuel Classe looked absolutely unhittable in that ninth inning. Oh, I, 100%. I honestly, 100%. I, I thought he was going to get MVP, honestly. He was – I mean, he, he got in there, three strikeouts. So he, it was almost like they weren't even there. Uh, honestly, you know, it was – you know, because the – then it'll jumped on McClanahan early, but the AL pitching staff was just awesome, really. It was it was a very well pitched game. Obviously, wasn't high scoring, but still, I I enjoyed watching it. I I, I enjoy All Star Week normally, so that that's my last little bit on it. I agree, and that's kind of where I'm at. I love the All Star Week. I love the Derby. I love the game. I just love all the fanfare, all the festivities of it. I think that for this year right now, this was kind of a little bit of a letdown just because I felt like aside from the Derby, the game itself was kind of boring. Like there was some kind of cool stuff out there. Like again, class A's, I think was amazing. And now his 95 overall card that I have is now in my bullpen and that will be the show because it is absolutely disgusting. But aside from that, now as we'll go away from the all-star break, the also break does usually signify one other thing that's very, very big to the ball clubs and to the fans and analysts like us alike is the trade deadline. The trade deadline this year is on August 2nd this year. Very different than in normal and normal years. It's normally it's just on the 31st. But this year it's on the second game. We have a few more, uh, few more days. We'll probably have one more podcast before the trade deadline, but we want to talk about it now as – Teams are already starting to show themselves a little more as buyers and sellers. And we talked about a moment ago how the Mets have already gotten Daniel Vogelbach for a, it's like for, again, a minor league price, but it was, well, I mean, for a price, but that's the kind of thing right now. We're trying to see who are going to be the buyers and sell, sellers. And there's some very interesting teams on this market. Teams are really on the bubble right now. And so what I wanted to do with both of you two is I'm going to name off a team. I'm going to name off a team and I want you both to like, I'll kind of like the count of three. I want you both to say whether or not they are buyers or sellers. If you had to make a decision right now, not an on the fence, just say, are they buying? Are they and then we'll talk about it a little bit because there's a few here that I think are going to be a bit interesting. So the first team, you already know where I'm going with this first one. We're going to go to the AL East. And while it's a fifth place team, they're, on a hot surge right now. So the Baltimore Orioles right now, 47 and 48 record, as I said, fifth in the AL East. Do we think that they are buyers or sellers right now on the count of three, two, one sellers, sellers. Ah, Okay. So I think all of us kind of agree that they are going to be selling here right now then. And I mean, it makes sense right now. So I should want to get your first take on this one. Yeah, I, with the Orioles, it's an impressive stretch, 100%. And like Mac has said in previous shows that if the Orioles were in any other division, they wouldn't be at 500. They would be over 500. They might even win the AL Central because we know how much of a disaster that division is right now. But at the same time, they're still three and a half out of a wild card. And 
you have to look at the roster and I think you need to be realistic that some of the guys on your team would be more valuable on other teams because they, the way they're playing right now is going to net more assets in. So let's say for the sake of example, the Orioles went on a 14 game losing streak or a, a long losing streak rather than a long winning streak. And they were 20 games out. Then you'd obviously be selling, but your players would be at a lower value. So I think now the Orioles are kind of approaching that the peak of what they can be with this current roster. And of course, Adley is going to get better and they're going to call up Grayson Rodriguez either at the end of the season, or early next year, they have pieces to improve, but the pieces that are fueling a lot of this run, the like high level MLB players currently on their roster outside of Rutschman, I think can say, Hey, Let's move Mancini, get some value for him now. Let's move a guy like Mullins, get some value for him now. And you keep that core group of players, the Rutschmans, the Jorge Lopez's of the world. And you move just maybe some extraneous pieces that you plan on replacing in a couple of years. And I've, I've touched on this in other recorded things I've done, but the prospects are great. The MLB ready players are great. But at the end of the day, you're really only, you're only going to play one shortstop, right? Or you're only going to play one center fielder. You're going to play one first baseman. So having four or five, six of them that, Oh, maybe they're MLB ready. That just kind of almost defeats the purpose. Now, of course, teams need utility infielders, utility outfielders and the like, but having like, there's no value in having, or there's reduced value in having, Trey Mancini exists on a team that Ryan Mountcastle is the first baseman. Mancini's not a bench bat. He's going to be a DH type. You can find another DH type. And Mancini right now is probably more valuable for another team than your team. So maybe you flip him now, get some nice prospects that you wouldn't have gotten three weeks ago and move on and compete next year and maybe make a playoff run next year or petition Manfred to move you out of the AL East. Yeah. When I, when I look at the Orioles, you know, I'm not going to say they're going to do a full, you know, sell everybody that has any value. You know, I think the main guys that I see getting traded are Mancini and then maybe a guy like Jordan Lyles because he's a starting pitcher and then one of their relievers. Maybe it's Dylan Tate. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's Brian Baker. I mean, maybe it's Keegan Aiken. I just, I, I can't see them selling off guys like Jorge Lopez or Austin Hayes or Cedric Mullins. You know, I, I, I think it's just, and oh, and Rugnet Odor, well, if he has any value still, Rugnet Odor will probably get moved too. But it's just, it's, it's not a, a roster where you're looking at them and being like, wow, they're terrible. Just like sell everybody. No, they're, they're an all right team. Really, I think they're better than people were giving them credit for to begin with. Like, like you were saying, I mean, the AL East is ridiculous. So unfortunately in, in that division, they're in last, but you know, you look, maybe you put them in the AL central, you know, they're probably, like, they're probably better than most teams in the AL central. That's the thing. So I think they'll sell, but you know, the reason why I'm not going to say they're buying or they should be buying is it's, it's a cautionary tale. You know, remember the 2018 pirates were not a great team, but remember also before the all-star break, the pirates won 11 games in a row. So instead, they decided to buy at the deadline, which made them trade. All right, you trade for Keone Kello. That's one thing. Then they trade for Chris Archer. And we know how that has gone. Yeah, trading Austin Meadows, Tyler Glass, now Shane Vaz was a great idea, right? So the point is, there's no real reason to be full-on buyers here. So I think they do some selling, but it's not, it's not a complete, like, blow up the core thing. It's just trading off guys like Mancini and Lyles and Tate. No, yeah, I'm 100% on that uh, train here. My main thing when it comes to the Orioles is that I think that they are just kind of like, like Splash said, they are kind of in that screwed position where they are a pretty darn good baseball team. The problem is that they are in a very, very stacked division. And so, you know what, here's one thing I like to try to think of in basically a lot of things is let's take that weakness and turn it into a strength. Let's see if we can figure out ways how to move around those weaknesses. And you know what, if you do have a really good team, but you just know that it's not going to work out truly well for you, why not sell? I'm fully though with you, Mac, that you do not blow up the core. You do not blow up everything. 
Do you trade some key pieces? Yes, you do. So then you can continue to build up that team because eventually the AL East is going to start to fall. Eventually, these teams are not going to be as absolutely dominant as they are right now. The Yankees will falter at some point. The Rays will somehow keep winning despite having no money. That's just how it works, apparently. But... um. I think overall that when you're this team, take advantage of the fact that you have won this many games and say, you know what? Hey, we've got these guys that have really helped revitalize this ball club. You've got, we've got a bunch of guys that are willing to fight for wins here. Hey, sell high on them. You've already shown that they are good quality ball players. Now take that and turn it into getting good people. So you can continue to build a build that dynasty for when the AL East does fall. I mean, we, I can remember us talking about the twins a while, quite a ways back here where they just fell off, but you know what they built up, they built up some good young players and have you know added pieces as it's gone on. And now look at them. They are a good, they're again, they're the best team in the central, but that's also not saying a whole lot. That's like saying you're the best Pokemon player at a tournament of Yu-Gi-Oh players. Like that's just how it works. Um, but yeah, so, okay. I think we have had enough here on the orders. We all agree that they're probably going to be sellers at the deadline. The next team, that we're going to talk about here. We're going to move over to the National League here. And what I think could be a little more interesting is, again, in the division of both of you guys, the Philadelphia Phillies. They are currently at third in the NL East with a 49-46 and 46 record. So above 500. Above 500. The only other two teams below, uh, below them are the Marlins at a 45 and 50 record and the nationals at an abysmal 32 and 65. So this one, I think could go a couple different ways, but I want to see what you guys think here. Count three. Let's see what y'all got for this one. We're going to go three, two, one. Buyers. Buyers. Interesting. Both of you have buy on this one. I'm going to say sell in this one and i have i have my reasons for it but i want to hear what you guys think for buying first i also i you know we've been starting with splash every time let's start with mac i want to hear why do you think the philadelphia phillies are going to be buyers at the deadline so i'll fully disclose this i say they're going to be buyers do i think they should be buyers no i don't honestly and the only reason i'm going to say this is because if you look at their farm system while it isn't awful it needs a lot of work and when you look at the standings too especially this past weekend after getting swept by the cubs it shows you that this team is not ready for prime time and you you just look up and down this roster and especially with bryce harper on the shelf still they really lack a lot of thumb and really i don't think this team can hang with the braves or the mets in the other teams in the NL, they can't hang with the Dodgers, in my opinion. I understand you, you could say, oh, but then Phillies won the regular season series. But really, I think the Dodgers have just hit their stride, too, and they're 64 and 30. I just, to me, the Phillies are in the middle of nowhere right now. And I personally, I think they should sell. But I think they're going to buy because they're not completely out of the playoff race. They're still hanging around, fighting with the Cardinals and the Padres and some other teams for that last National League wildcard spot. So really, I, it's, you know, with what I, what I, when I look at their roster, you know, I think while Harper is still out, they're going to try getting another bat. And obviously their biggest concern this year has been their bullpen. Although it's been better lately, I think they're probably going to trade for another reliever and maybe try to get another starter, kind of like what they did with Kyle Gibson last year. Albeit, again, trading for a guy who, uh, was overperforming his peripherals it, with Texas has backfired. I mean, look, uh, Ian Kennedy struggled badly with them. And now he's gone. And Kyle Gibson has struggled ever since getting to Philly. So they can try, try buying. But in my opinion, I still don't know if it'll be enough. Maybe they get in that last wild card spot. I really, I just can't see this team going far in the playoffs. So while I think personally that they should sell, I think they're going to end up buying because I think Dave Dombrowski wants to compete. So I agree with a lot of what you said, but at the same time, as we know in really any sport, but particularly in baseball, making the playoffs is so much of the battle. And 
when you have a team that has hitters like Schwarber and Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, Reese Hoskins, JT Real Muto, guys like that, anything can happen come October. And I think the Phillies would be remiss to not take the opportunity and say, hey, we're only one game out of a wild card spot right now. We're going to get Harper back at some point in the next couple next couple weeks, uh, next month or so. So, like, go for make the playoffs. You saw the Braves last year go 88 and 73. They won the World Series, right? And year after year, you have wild card teams. The Nationals won the World Series as a wild card team. That hey, it doesn't look like they're going to do a whole lot, but the Phillies have a potent offense. They have terrific hitters up and down the lineup. They have um, strong rotation arms at the top and even like the lower. Like I know a Ranger Suarez, for example, hasn't been elite this season, but last year he was great down the stretch this year. He's been like a middling pitcher. Nola and Wheeler are tough to match across all of baseball and the bullpen. We know about the bullpen, but Sir Anthony Dominguez has been competent. Corey Knable has been the metrics are fine. Andrew Bellotti has been fine, and Brad Hand has been fine. I think they have enough of these fine arms that are they, like, I don't know, the 2022 Yankees or 2022 Braves from a bullpen perspective? No, but I don't think they are the same disaster they used to be. As a team, the Phillies have a 108 ERA+, and that can be inflated a little bit because they play at a uh, hitter's ballpark, but I think this is a team that can compete, and I, I don't want to face Bryce Harper in a playoff series. I don't want to face Reese Hoskins drawing 17 million walks in a playoff series. I think that's uh, certainly a scary matchup for anyone. Could they lose in the first round? Absolutely. Could they get murdered in the first round? 100%. But I think they offer enough danger around the lineup with Schwarber and Hoskins, and if you get anything out of Bohm, Real Muto, guys like that, and then you're going to have one of the best hitters in the game coming back soon in Bryce Harper, and they're a tough out. To me, they're a tough out. I'm with you. So, and this is where I agree to the point of like, you know, it's all about getting to the playoffs. It's all about getting uh, getting to that thing because anything can happen in the playoffs. I mean, I'll always go back to the 2001 Seattle Mariners that won 116 games and just got, you know, they won one playoff series and then they got blown up by the Yankees. Sad times. Um, I'm saying that they're selling, and it's because I live optimistically from what Mac was saying. I think that with this team overall, it's going to be interesting for them to even make the playoffs. Yes, they are winning right now. They have a winning record of 49-46, but I don't think they're going to be able to overcome the Mets or the Braves. So that, like, serious levels of injuries. They are eight level, they're eight games behind the Braves and nine and a half back of the Mets. Now, if we take a look in the wild card overall standings, I'm looking at other teams, and I feel like there are other teams that just have better shots overall than them to make the playoffs. The Cardinals right now are 51 and 46 in a pretty... Overall, I'm still going to say a pretty weak division. And the uh, NL West right now still has, you know, the Padres in as well as the Dodgers. So I'm looking at other teams that could be wildcard participants. And it doesn't look too good for the Phillies. Yes, you could buy to try and like close off that gap. But you know, those other teams are probably going to be buying as well. So you see that and you're like, okay. Why not buy, if you're not sold on Schwarber, if you're not sold on Castellanos, Castellanos' name alone is going to at least be able to get some level of purchase. Is it going to be a good one? Probably not. But I feel like right now it's still a decent chance that they can at least get something for it. Schwarber, I think they're impressed with Schwarber, and I don't think they want to get rid of him just yet. If you're going to keep one of your guys that has been mashing the ball hard like that, I think between Castellanos and Schwarber, it's obviously Schwarber. I don't think that's much of a debate there. Yeah, um, well, uh, I, I just, the thing is that obviously I don't think they'll trade Schwarber or Castellanos. Just obviously like those guys just got signed to those contracts and they're pretty expensive, but I, I mean, Castellanos has an 85 OPS plus this year and you saw how he reacted the other day. I mean, he got, it was, he was visibly upset, uh, with a question that a reporter asked him the other day. I mean, he's, he's just struggling really badly this year, especially in a hitter's park. So I'm very concerned about that right now uh, when it comes to him. And also even guys like Real Muto is underperforming this year too. Segura's out for the year, I'm pretty sure. He's out for a while. 
Uh, Gregorius has underperformed again. Herrera, Odubel Herrera has also been underperforming. It's just a lot of underperforming guys. And even look, Schwarber has great power, but he's also striking out about 31% of the time. I mean, he's he's still drawing a decent amount of walks. He has 30 homers, but like he's hitting 205 with a you know 313 on base and 499 slug. Like I appreciate the 30 home runs, but Right now, he's just the symbol of this team, which is it's a team that, yes, can hit some home runs for sure, but also guys like him and Hoskins both strike out a lot, and same with Castellanos. So I'm, I'm curious to see what the Phillies actually do because also they desperately need an outfielder. I should have mentioned this, but with Castellanos, if Castellanos is DHing, that means Harper would be healthy, you know, but with Harper DH and Castellanos had to play the outfield and he obviously can't play the outfield well, but also that, that outfield is just, it's a disaster defensively and honestly, offensively hasn't been that good. Well, so that's what's again, interesting is the fact that technically you have Schwarber, Castellanos and Harper that are all outfielders, but none of them can play the outfield right now. One due to injury and two to just overall ability. So and that's why I brought up, like, you know, trading Castellanos is that right now you already have Harper that you're not trading Harper. It's Bryce Harper. You're not trading him. Schwarber, I think, has done well enough to where you can't trade him. You may try to put him more in the outfield at that point, but it's, a, you know, what you do what you got to do. But you don't want to have three DHs on your team. And that, because at that point, then you're starting to get, you know, true defensive liabilities. And Schwarber, I mean, is not the worst defender I've ever seen. He's definitely not good. He's not great, but he's definitely not the worst. I've seen some pretty bad defenders, but I want to see more from them. I think overall they are going to be sellers and one of them will be gone. My guess is it's going to be Castellanos. Uh, Do you have anything else you wanted to add onto this? Yeah, I think with the Phillies, I know you've mentioned the, the defensive struggles and a lot of it boils down to um, no one on the Phillies has truly been great defensively this season. And that's the, the thing that plagues the Phillies. And it's a lot easier to play defense when you have a very strong defensive center fielder. And the Phillies have just had inconsistency at the position whether it's Adubel Herrera, who has, let's see, negative, probably, yeah, negative defensive run save, negative two this year. Regardless of who's playing center field, they look bad and they haven't been playing particularly well. And then you like double and triple down on that when you're having to play Schwarber and Castellanos in the field. And maybe it's different if they had, I don't know, Cody Bellinger playing center field or Michael Harris or Byron Buxton. Maybe it's a little bit different when you're, corner outfielders don't have to go as much ground but like Castellanos has been an outright disaster this season defensively he has some of the worst metrics in major league baseball and it's that's hard to do that's hard to do he's playing a lot of games he's costing the Phillies a lot of runs in the outfield and he's not making it up at the plate Um, a sub 300 on base percentage from a guy that came in and was expected to be a doubles machine a homers machine he has eight home runs Bryce Harper has missed 30 games and has nearly twice the number of home runs Reese Hoskins there is a legitimate question is he good at foot or is he good at baseball there is a question is he good at football I don't know that but is he good at baseball I want to know this season he has 19 I would would like to know whether or not he's good at football yeah Bastianus is eight so actually one of our off-season topics should be uh what what baseball team or what baseball players would be good at football what football players would be good at baseball I mean, just to give a kind of a, a heads up for a later on podcast, we're already discussing ideas about how to do a real life equivalence uh, podcast by taking some of the video game players that we had talked about during our drafts and other things like that and turning them and compared to see who are their real life equivalents, like obviously Sitch and Shohei Otani and other things like that. So, hey, you know, hey, keep your eyes open for those episodes. So, hey, now as far as just giving us another one. But yeah, so I think overall the Phillies are going to be really interesting going forward because like from our discussion alone, this has really shown that it really could go either way. So with that, we're going to move on to another team. Now here, we're going to jump over to the American League. And another thing, we're going to keep it back to the AL East. We talked about the Orioles being sellers. 
we're going to make one jump ahead to a team that is exactly 500 now in the Boston Red Sox. Has some interesting pieces on their team, but again, in a very, very stacked division. So on count of three, buyers or sellers. Here we go. Three, two, one. Buyers. Sell. Woo! We got a difference. We got a difference, boys. All right. I am personally on the sell uh, market as well. Um, but you know what? Hey, Flash, I want to hear. What's your opinion, boss? Okay, so here's the, the thing with the Red Sox this year. They suck against the American League East. This isn't a case of, well, sometimes this – no, that they suck against their division. They, I don't believe they've won a series, let alone like multiple games, against any team in their division, which is a problem when we're still playing – when teams are still playing their division, what, 90 times a year, or 75 times a year, 70 to 75 times a year. So it's a problem when they can't beat these teams. It's a problem when you can't beat the Yankees or Blue Jays, or it's a problem when you're losing the, to the Toronto Argonauts by three touchdowns. That's an actual issue. Um, I'm sure you guys are going to touch on that in a little bit, but they have a three and five record against the Orioles. They have a four and six record against the Yankees. They're two and eight against the Rays and they're three, three and 10 against the Blue Jays. So the pessimist says, oh, well, you're not going to beat any of those teams. So you're not going to make the playoffs and you should just punt the season. You should trade Bogarts before he's a free agent. You should trade, um, you should trade JD Martinez. You should trade all these pieces. And I'm thinking, no, guess what? All of those losses against teams in your division, you're beating everyone else. You are beating to you beat Houston two out of three games. You have split with the twins. You have, you took six out of seven from Seattle took two out of one from Texas. You have some, you're three, no against the guardians. So some of these teams that you're going to be competing with for wildcard spots. Yes. You, you can't beat anyone in your division. So I'm sure that's a downside, but I do think in weird way, the Red Sox should still go with this and could they blow it up? Sure. Should they blow it up? Mac and Alex will about be are, are about to argue that, but I do think it the the Red Sox are in a position that you have plenty of talented players and even plenty of talented players that are you know doing pretty well for themselves even with Devers on the IL right now. Uh, Trevor Story hasn't been quite as good as you might want him to be, but he's on the IL. JD Martinez has been every bit as good as normal JD Martinez. Christian Vasquez hit a couple home runs the other night. So I think you're still getting solid enough production. And of course, that's going to be tough to maintain when Devers is out. But I don't know. I think they are above the line for me of who should buy and who should sell. And, you know, if you want to say, hey, Devers, we're just going to have you inactive for the rest of the season, get recovered, get recovered from your injuries, and we're going to punt this season. That's an option. Here's the thing. Is that, I mean, Splash, you were basically saying it. I mean, they are 12 and 29 against their division and have not won a single series against the AL East. And if you look at, you know, wow, who have they faced lately? Because remember, a few weeks ago, I was very much on the Red Sox train. I 100% would have bought. But I mean, you know, since July 4th, they've only faced AL East teams. And they have gone a whopping three and 13. Like <clears throat> you just, I, it's the similar way I feel about the Phillies, which is that they have, a, they are a talented roster. You know, I, I think for sure when everyone's clicking, this team goes far right now, I can't see them keeping up with the Yankees or the blue Jays or the Astros just I, it, it's really tough, especially with guys like Bogarts and Martinez who are set to be, be free agents soon. I think similar to the Orioles, I don't think this is a situation where you full on sell everybody, including, you know, guys like Verdugo and, and, and Hauk and those guys are in Pavetta. But I do think you think about trading Bogarts and Martinez and maybe even Christian Vasquez, since he's a catcher who's performing very well this year. So it's, it's, it's really, really tough. You know, maybe, you know, they have about a week left before the all-star, uh, before the trade deadline, you have three, uh, four with Cleveland and three with Milwaukee. Maybe they win six of seven and they're buyers all of a sudden, you know, it, this could go up right until that deadline because their next series after Milwaukee is in Houston. 
Actually, they've won a series against Houston. So this can very much go either way. But the way they're playing right now and the way they looked against Toronto this weekend, I think this is a selling situation. It's I I don't know what happened. They have a I believe I saw they have a negative 72 run differential this month, which is amazing. I'm honestly amazed by that. Like I didn't know you could have a negative 72 run differential in such a short period of time. Maybe this is what happens when you lose 28 to five, but well, I really want to believe in the Red Sox right now. I think, I think they end up selling. Here's my thing when it comes to the Red Sox, I'm going to be in a bit of a weird place here. And I think they're going to stand pat. I think that they are not going to sell too much. I think they're just going to kind of coast along. And here's why they've got like explosion. They have a, gluts of talent right now the problem that is just right now they're in a really tough division but when you're in a tough division and you're in a division where there's a lot of teams that are playing exceptionally good baseball a couple of thoughts come to mind for me the first of which is if you're already kind of on that competing level with the amount of talent you have here do you think there's a possibility those teams could start to falter and if that's the case then you should buy at that point. But you also have more talent than the Orioles, which makes the decision a lot harder because you can, you're you not selling high on your guys. You're selling low because there are a lot bigger expectations for the Red Sox this year So than the Orioles. Had. The Orioles are playing up to it where the Red Sox are playing down to their down uh, over their potential. So I think overall this team's going to stand pat. They may do a sell move because I like I'm definitely leaning on the sell side. But I think overall that for what they're going to do, there's no reason to trade some of their biggest names. I think potentially maybe, you know, like a J.D. Martinez or something like that could get moved. But I do think that overall, this team is still very good. We've seen what happens when the Sox get rolling. Again, I will still remember the series against Seattle where Trevor Story hit what seemed to be 18,500 home runs. And it just became sad. But (laughs) I... This team is a lot better than I think of what the paper really says for it. I think they're a good team in a very tough division and they could still very well compete for a wild card spot. So for them, I think that right now their best move is just to stand pat. Any other notes on the Red Sox? I think the Devers injury complicates things. So the next couple of weeks, they might look worse than they really are. And my fantasy team's going to look worse than it really is. But if I think you have to have an honest discussion about Bogarts, if you think you retain him, do you, if you want to retain him, do you think you can win a world series with him this year, then maybe you stay pat or maybe you go for it this season. But if you don't think you're going to be able to retain him, maybe you trade him now when there could be some value there and you, you send him to a, what contender would need a shortstop though? Like, I feel like there's there's teams out there that could use it. I mean, I think the you know, honestly, the Cardinals the Cardinals are, I mean, they have the two best corner infielders in baseball, arguably. But I mean, up the middle, I mean, you could theoretically put Bogarts there over Brendan Donovan. You know, I know Donovan's been good this year. uh, Bogarts and Edmund. Bogarts and oh, then again, Bogarts is kind of he's struggled defensively. I mean, he could be a DH. You know, I'm just spitballing. I think he, Ooh, he could be a I great like addition as a DH. At, you know, I, like I think both him and J.D. Martinez can be good good, good DH options for uh, for contenders. How do you feel about, I don't know, going to Milwaukee and having Bogarts play second base with uh, Adamas playing short still? That's not a horrible idea. Again, I, I just more so see, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of, you know, would Bogarts be a good second baseman? I mean, that's. That's my my one thing. I mean, he struggled defensively at shortstop, but he can definitely still hit. So I'm I'm curious to see what what happens there, though. All right. So then, with that, let's move on to our next team here. As we were bouncing around from American League, National League, American League, National League, let's go back over here to the National League. We're gonna go to the NL West here, another mm-hmm. 500 team that's really on the bubble because of the wild card system this year. Right now, it's still pretty far back, but I've also learned never to completely count out this team. 
And that is the San Francisco Giants right now, 48 and 47 record, but still behind the Padres. A good five, a uh, good five games behind the Dodgers by 16 and a half games. Dodgers right now have all but locked up the division at this point, but again, it's baseball. Anything can happen. So again, count of three. Where are you guys at on three, two, one? Fires sell. Again, another split. All right, Mac, why are they selling? You know, again, this is much like the Red Sox. I think this is a talented team, but really, I mean, it's just been, they, they looked all right at the beginning of the year. They started out 14 and seven, but it's really just been a very mediocre last two and a half months. You know, they went, they went 13 and 14 in May, 13 and 13 in June, and now are eight and 13 in July. And they just got swept in a four game series by the Dodgers, their first series out of the break. I, I I look at this team and, you know, with the way the Padres have been playing, you know, I, I know the Padres sort of slumped for a little bit, but they're still a very strong team, in my opinion, especially their pitching staff. They look at the Dodgers. They're not catching up to the Dodgers. It's just you, you look at that team and it's a bit of an aging roster that has underperformed this year. You know, I, I get that Carlos Rodon has been fantastic. And I think Logan Webb is pretty good, it, but just I. I, I look at the roster and it's not like they're getting any younger. So I think they end up selling. I mean, they're only at 500 for a reason, but they've gone from being a 107 win team, which look, I thought the giants were going to fall back, but I did not expect them to fall back the way they have this season. So unfortunately when you play the way they have lately, I, I see no reason for them to be buyers. I think they, I think they ha- they're going to sell. Much. All right, yeah. so I'm on a bit of a weird track here because I'm not 100% sure on the Giants. Splash, take me through your thought process. Sure. So I think you have some of the same things we talked about with the, the Phillies, that you have talented hitters in the lineup, and you have a Jock Peterson who has a 129 OPS plus this season. Uh, Longoria is on the IL. Brandon Belt has been good this season. Mike Yastrzemski has been good this season. Luis Gonzalez has been good this season. Wilmer Flores has been a productive um, utility guy. Austin Slater has been a good hitter this season. Um, And then you have, as a team, they have a 101 OPS plus, which is good. Then you have the two aces with Webb and Rodon. Uh, You also have... uh, Jakob Junis, who has pitched reasonably well. Alex Wood, who's been around league average. Alex Cobb, who's been elite around league average. And the bullpen has been, John Berebi has been very good. Um, he's pitched to a, uh, a 163 ERA plus. Camilo Duval, Duval has been fine. Jarlon Garcia has been fine. Tyler Rogers has been disappointing. But I think there are a lot of talented pieces here. And like I said with the Phillies, that... If you get in a playoff series, how many teams have a one-two that's better than Webb Rodon? How many teams have a have an ace that has pitched in the playoffs and pitched well in the playoffs like Logan Webb did last season against the Dodgers? And I don't think there's many answers to that. I would argue the Dodgers perhaps don't even have a one-two as good as Webb and Rodon. Obviously, the Mets with a healthy Scherzer DeGrom, they clear. I would argue the Braves don't have a top two that's better than Webb and Rodon. Even the Brewers this season, Burns is great, but who's the number two? Well, obviously Woodruff, but has Woodruff been at that Webb and Rodon level this season? I don't think so. So if you're the Giants, similar to the Phillies, that I, I think you just kind of cobble the pieces and get to the playoffs and then use the Gabe Kapler platoon stuff and uh, grind out runs and, you know, do the little song and dance and win games. Cause remember they were, a, they were very close to beating the Dodgers last season. They're potentially one check swing away from beating the Dodgers and hosting the NLCS. And I, I don't want to speculate on a Braves giants uh, NLCS, but they were very close last year. And this year they are right in the thick of the race um, in the national league. Um, they have a 32.6% chance to make the playoffs, according to baseball reference. And they're a team that I wouldn't be shocked if they sneak into the playoffs as that five or the six seed where they went around over the, they went around and all of a sudden, Oh, the juggernaut giants that won 107 games last year, they're back. I could see that happening for sure. For me, when it comes to the Giants here, this is a weird team because there's a lot of players on it that I'm not 100% sure what kind of value you could get from. 
there are, again, good players from there that some teams would want, but to the level of selling it to try and help out in a, in this kind of division, I think in this case, they could very well buy. And the reason why I think that they could be buying overall is because of the wildcard system where they're at. You take a look at the National League right now. The main wildcard contenders, uh, aside from uh, the Mets and Braves, I'm putting them in the same kind of thing where one will win the division, one will definitely be a wildcard spot. The Phillies are competing for one. The Cardinals are competing. I guess the Cardinals are competing more than the Phillies are. And then there's the Giants and the Padres. So you're in a pretty elite group, but you're not far. And I, like I said before, I have been burned so many times on saying that the Giants are not going to do something well. I have been burned many times by saying, oh, they're not going to succeed. I, I'm not going on that train anymore. I think they're going to find ways to just succeed and they're going to make everyone look like idiots for saying, how the heck are they doing this when other teams have just better talent overall? They're the Rays. They are the Rays. They're a team that is able to win by playing smart baseball, smart, effective baseball. So I don't know. I think they could buy. I think they could try and turn, at least try to get something going to maybe add another batter, another pitcher overall because Rodon's been good. I think right now for this team, it's going to be very interesting come deadline. I would not be surprised either way, but I do think if they can get someone for a decent price, I think they're on the buy side. Well, and here's the one thing I'm going to throw out there. And and I splash, you mentioned a lot of those guys, but I mean, really it's just, they're not doing what they did last year. And you look at like the ages. I mean, Brandon belt is 34 Crawford is 35 Longoria is 36. Yastrzemski's 31, Lestella's 33, Darren Ruff is 35. It's a bunch of guys in their mid-30s, other than Joey Bart. You know, I get Jock is only 30, and Yastrzemski's only 31, but really, it's an aging roster. That's the thing. is On offense, I'd say they're aging. On the pitching side, I mean, Rodon's only 29, Webb is 25. I mean, other than Alex Cobb and Alex Wood, I mean – Really, I think their pitching is going to continue to get better. That offense really, really does worry me. So I get that they've been able to score some runs, but I'm, I just don't know if it's enough, in my opinion. I think their, it, their offense has found ways to score, but really I think it's been very disappointing this year. So it could go either way. Like I said, maybe, maybe they do turn things around, but they also still have to face the Dodgers before the trade deadline. And if they if they keep fall, if they fall below 500, I think they're selling. But like I said with the Red Sox, say they win six of their next seven games, then they're probably buyers. We'll we'll just have to see. Okay, Flash. Any last words, or are we going to move on to our next team? Because we're basically continuing on this kind of path for the rest of the podcast. There's a couple more teams we want to get to, but I want to see where you're at. Yeah, I think whoever gets the sixth seed in the NL, whether it's St. Saint, uh, Louis, in all likelihood, it's going to be St. Louis, Philadelphia, or San Francisco. Two of them will be out. One of them will be in. And I think if you are Philly or San Francisco, you have to go for it because you make the playoffs. And maybe in other sports, you can say, well, we're not going to be good enough to win the title. I think in baseball, anything can happen in baseball. Half the battle is getting there. So I'd say if you were on the cusp this year, I would buy and I would try to get a Castillo. I would try to get a Montas. I would try to get a, a Seth Brown. I would try to get, heaven forbid, Joey Votto. Get a Brandon Drury. Get, get these guys, add them to your team, get that little bit better. And look at what the Braves did last year, that they were – not even close to a playoff team at the all-star break. They bring in some guys that had been underperforming. They, they looked at the batted ball data. They looked at what should be happening. And all of a sudden, Jorge Soler, oh, good hitter. Eddie Rosario, oh, good hitter. Adam Duvall, oh, gold glover, and hits a bunch of home runs. You know, and you can kind of make make something out of being the sixth best team in the division or sixth best team in the National League or the American League with the Seattle and the Redacted and the White Sox and the Red Sox and the Orioles. Wildcard division is really is what's going to determine who's going to be buying, who's going to be selling at this point, especially considering the fact of, you know, 
there are so many teams that can't compete for those seeds right now. So let's move on to our last team that we're going to talk about here. And you brought them up just for a brief moment there, Splash. We're going to talk about the Cleveland Redactants. I mean, the Cleveland Guardians. As the Guardians have a very interesting situation on their hands, in my opinion. They are currently 48-46, but are in a very weak division. They're above 500. The Twins are the number one with a 52-44 record. They're two, uh, the Guardians are two games above 500. The White Sox are right at 500 and seem to be spiraling down, in my opinion. Although, over the last 10, they've done pretty darn well, 7-3. and three. But then you have the Royals and the Tigers, who both of them are not even at 40 wins yet. So, guys, Cleveland Guardians been a very interesting topic going into this season where do you have them at for this trade deadline buyers or sellers three two one buyers question mark yeah i'm also going to go with buyers question mark question mark it is all right splash why the question mark why why not a definitive answer here so I think you can have this conversation with every team and I'm kind of digging myself a little rabbit hole here, but it seems that every team has some competent hitters and some competent pitchers, some more competent than others. And I think you look at the redacteds and you say, Hey, they have really good pitching. They have some of the better names in baseball. Shane Bieber's former Cy Young winner, Tristan McKenzie was actually Jesus for a month. Cal Quantrill has been solid this season. Zach Plesak is a guy I've heard that could be moved. And then, but, and then you get to the ninth inning and you have something special in Emmanuel Classe. So if you're leading after eight innings, game's over, essentially. It's it's New York and Cleveland at ninth inning, game's over. Edwin Diaz and Emmanuel Classe. The game is just over. And then you have a, a talented lineup. You have um, Andres Jimenez, who has a 142 OPS plus this season, who's actually outplaying Lindor even before you factor in the money. That's neither here nor there, though. Ahmed Rosario has been good this season. Jose Ramirez is an MVP candidate. Shocker. Stephen Kwan has been, you know, doing Stephen Kwan things like hitting home runs, which he rarely does. Framil Reyes has been a disaster. Oscar Gonzalez is on the IL right now, but he had been having a solid season. Josh Naylor is 13 home runs and a 136 OPS plus. As a team, they have a a 101 OPS plus. And I think you can take advantage of a not a, a not very good division. And they have Boston for the next four games. So, hey, you take three out of four from Boston and you propel your stuff up in the wild card and you propel yourself closer to Minnesota and closer to Chicago. And I think Cleveland might sneak away with the playoff spot and might, might take away with the division at that point. So this is very, very, very can run hot and cold. But I think you have one of the best players in baseball in Jose Ramirez, one of the brightest uh, pop stars, both from the mound and from the plate this year, and both Andres Menez and Tristan McKenzie. And I think I think Cleveland is in a good spot to be whatever team that gets absolutely murdered by some generic AL East team this, this uh, postseason. Yeah, you know, I think with the Guardians, the reason why I'm sort of in the, you know, question mark, situations because i don't think they're necessarily ready to compete yet but they they've shown flashes of greatness this year really i mean they went 18 and 10 in june they looked really great in june then they're they've only been 9 and 12 in july they only went 9 and 12 in april they only went 12 and 12 in may but the i mean the reason why they're struggling in my opinion i mean they're five and seven against the tigers you, you can't be losing you can't be losing the season series to the fourth place, almost cellar dwelling team in your division. I mean, that's it. That's, that's one issue there, but I mean, I think they're, they're a solid ball club and they're, they're young. I mean, their average age is only 26 and they just extended Jose Ramirez. You know, Ahmed Rosario has been solid this year. Andres Jimenez has been one of the best second basemen in baseball. You know, I mean, Stephen Kwan, he's not a power hitter, but he's he's a solid, you know, outfielder, gets on base. Uh, you know, you look at the team, Josh Naylor has hit for power this year. He's only 25. I mean, I, I look at the roster. I mean, really, I'm, I'm really happy with the strides that Tristan McKenzie has made this year. I think Cal Quantrill, he's not a strikeout guy, but he's solid too. Shane Bieber is still Shane Bieber. He's not, maybe he isn't the guy who won the Triple Crown, but 
He's still pretty good. I, I, you know, they're still maybe a little bit away from contending, but to me, they almost remind me a little bit of what the Braves have go Braves had going last year in that they're not the best team in the league, but in a weak division, if they make some moves, they could, they could steal that division. So I'm going to say a tentatively a buy. I can't see them selling too much because of how young they are. And I don't think they have a ton of sellable assets that could, you know, that a, a ton of assets that they're willing to sell off. Uh, at least the more valuable ones like Bieber or Ramirez. Like I don't see them selling off like those big guys. So I think this team is in a pretty good position right now. Even if they don't make the playoffs this year, they're going to be back atop the AL Central soon, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think they're a buy team basically because of the fact of the division that they're in. Like we've talked about how the Orioles are a seller because of the division they're in. The the Guardians are in that position just in reverse. They could very easily, I think, steal that division. And it really comes down to just making some good, smart moves. They have a very young core, like you said, and, I'm, and it's a really good core they've built up. Again, players like J-Ram and Emmanuel Classe have really emerged as some of the best young players in baseball. You get, and that's even not even talking about Shane Bieber, who's still doing good work too. So here's what I think on this. I think that if you are going to try and do anything at the deadline, you are buying because the overall division itself can be swayed. We've seen overall that right now they are currently only two games back of a wild card. So even if they don't win the division, they're still close on the wild card. Now you take a look at the division itself. They're only three games behind Minnesota. The White Sox are the same, but honestly, I'm not sold on the White Sox right now. I think that right now Cleveland has that upwards trajectory that I'm, I'm, I'm about right now. I think that they, if they make some good, smart moves to add maybe a little bit more pitching depth, maybe add a little bit more in the hitting department, potentially, you don't need to go overboard because especially like we, we've been talking about Minnesota, like it's an end all be all team. Again, it, they're only, there's only a few games. There's only a few games difference between them. So I think overall that if you are the guardians, you're buying right now because you have a very big shot at not just winning a playoff spot, but winning the division. Because if you can take the division, it doesn't matter about the wild card spot. There's a very real chance that we don't see any wild card teams from the AL central. I think overall that if you really want to make the playoffs, you've got to win that division and it is within their grasp. The twins are a good team, but I don't think they're infallible. I think, especially in a division like this, if you can make sure that you are taking advantage of playing teams like Kansas City and Detroit, then you can really turn into the powerhouse of that division and not just let the Twins win by doing absolutely nothing, as one as one U-Tree would say. So anyway, are there any other notes we want to have here on the, on the Cleveland Guardians being buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? Yeah, no, I, I would say, you know, this is not a team where I would say they should go all in, but I mean, they, they, they've really exceeded my expectations this year. I honestly did not have them coming close to the playoffs, and maybe it's because I was higher on the White Sox than the Twins coming in the year. But really, I think these Guardians are an impressive team, and I think if the the way things are going, they'll they'll be. I think no, like you guys have said, I'm. I've been pretty disappointed by the White Sox and I, I don't know what direction that team is going in. And I think the twins, while they're talented, I don't think they're good enough to hang with the twin, uh, the, with the Yankees or the Astros. So I think, you know, the guardians have a great pitching core and they, they're now forming a pretty nice offensive core. So I think they're fine where they are now, but maybe they get hot and maybe, maybe they do, by maybe they take the division. All righty then. So we are at the end of our time here for today's podcast. Unless you had anything else you wanted to say on that regard. If you don't have anything, then we can just move on to the last little bit here. Cool. So then we're going to move on to our la- the last little bit here. Are there any other last things before we wrap up the show that we want to make a quick mention of? Uh, there's a special club that Michael Harris could end up 
being a part of that includes uh, both players that won rookie of the year and MVP in their rookie season, as well as the likes of Mike Trout and Nomar Garcia Parra. So uh, hopefully Michael Harris keeps up his terrific first half into the second half. And we have another rookie of the year in the A. No, I, I mentioned it at the beginning of the episode, but this subway series coming up this week is going to be very, very fun. You know, it's been a while, I feel like, since we had a Subway series where both the Mets and the Yankees are in first place and are both playing well. So I'm very, very excited for, for these games. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I always love this time of year because I like seeing, you know, the movers and the shakers of uh, each league. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, this coming week, and I'm curious to see what happens. Yeah, right now, um, I'll say my last little bit. I hope Julio's okay. He's been out of the lineup for the last little bit, although uh, there have been more talks that Julio will probably be ready to play starting tomorrow as um, that was the official word from service, but they are going to try to play him safe uh, because they don't want to injure him any further. I think overall right now, Julio has been one of the most exciting players to watch as of late, and I think overall he has a very good chance to be the spark plug that Seattle needs to try and make it to the playoffs this year and end the drought. But that's all the time that we have here. Thank you so much to everyone for tuning in. Make sure you, you go follow Splash on Twitter at Mr. Splashman19. Make sure you go follow Mac on Twitter at Matthias underscore A underscore K. Make sure you go follow me on Twitter at the Sports Guy242. And make sure you go follow the Cheap Seats Chatter Trivia as a trivia Twitter as well. But for Mac and Splash, I've been Alex. I've been your host of today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your day. Again, we have content coming out basically every week here focusing on the MLB. Stay safe out there and hope to see you all real soon.